Cheers. Girl Power. This is the story of the girl who changed the rules, Edith Cowan. Read by awesome journalist Lee Sales. <laughs> Edith sat in the dock, head bowed, as eyes gazed upon her with pity. She could feel her skin burning, pink from embarrassment. No, it was, it was more than embarrassment. It was deep, gut-twisting shame. She was only 15. It was her first time in a courtroom. But she wasn't there because she'd done anything wrong. She was there as a witness. Her father was being tried for the worst of all crimes, murder. I, Edith Dirksy Brown, swear by Almighty God that the evidence I shall give to the court in this case shall be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The truth was, Edith's father killed her stepmother in a drunken rage. He thought she'd been running around with another man. Edith didn't know or really care if that part was true. Her real mother had died when Edith was only seven. Ever since, her dad's heart had shriveled and turned black. Yet Edith had managed to live with the terrible pain of losing her mum, so she didn't understand why her dad, a grown-up, couldn't deal with it too. She was miserable, but she coped. Did your father drink too much? The lawyer asked. Edith nodded. Was he aggressive towards your stepmother? She shrugged. Kenneth Brown was found guilty and sentenced to death. Back at boarding school, a hush swept through the corridors when Edith entered. The hiss of gossiping girls almost crippled her. She was already shy. Becoming known as the daughter of a murderer, becoming an orphan, was almost too much to bear. As Edith replayed her father's crime over and over in her mind, the more ashamed she grew. She dropped his surname, introducing herself only as Edith Dirksy. She vowed to never marry for fear of meeting a man like her dad. Besides, the law in those days gave husbands ownership of their wives. Yes, ownership, like a cat or a dog. I will never become someone's object, Edith told herself. So at first she ignored James Cowan. He was the brother of the headmistress and he was intrigued by Edith. Who's that girl who never smiles, he asked. His sister smirked. That's Edith Dirksy, she said. She's always sad, and she's not interested in romance. But if you must try, bring her books. For months, James visited the school, bringing Edith book after book after book. She buried herself in the stories until one day she agreed to tell her own story to James. To her surprise, he wasn't put off by her past. In fact, James was a lawyer, and not just any lawyer, but one who fought for the rights of those less fortunate, those like her. Something inside Edith told her James wasn't like her dad. You can trust him, her intuition said. He won't boss you around. Edith Dirksy put on a veil, picked a bouquet of flowers and became Edith Cowan. But she stayed true to herself and refused to waste away like some other women who were left at home, like fragile ornaments. 
She followed James to work and sat in the gallery of courtrooms, watching case after case. John Watson, not guilty. Samuel Thomas, not guilty. Edward Smith, not guilty. Edith could hardly believe what she was seeing and hearing day in, day out. Man after man was appearing before the court, charged with hurting wives and children. Yet justice wasn't being served. Edith wondered how the cycle could be stopped. She felt awfully sorry for the victims and began to visit them in their homes. She gave them money, toys, clothes and food, but most of all, she gave them an ear. She listened as they told her about living with tragedy, poverty and fear. You understand, don't you? One woman asked. Edith gulped, fighting back tears. I do, she said, because I've been through it myself. And it wasn't just battlers with a soft spot for Edith. Her compassion also caught the eye of more powerful types. Breathe, Edith whispered. You can do this. She was standing on stage at a gathering of smart, determined women. She joined their debating club to conquer her shyness, as you do, and she was about to try public speaking for the very first time. Good afternoon. My name is Edith Cowan. Today, I would like to discuss the inequality of women in Australia. Her voice shook with nervousness, but she persisted. I have met too many battered wives and children. And I believe the law should be changed so that women are no longer prisoners in their houses and so that their husbands can no longer treat them like possessions. I believe we need to build refuges for women fleeing from unsafe homes. I know what it's like to live in an unsafe home. My father was a murderer. (gasps) The audience was mesmerised by Edith. She rose to the highest ranks of society and joined more than 40 organisations formed to make the country a fairer place. But Edith's fans knew she'd need to make her speeches somewhere loftier if she wanted to make the greatest difference possible. She'd need to become a politician and fight for change in the West Australian Parliament. The problem was, no woman had ever been elected. Vote one, Edith Cowan. Vote for Edith. Edith Cowan for Parliament. Her supporters adored her. Her critics were vicious bullies and confronted her in the streets. What would a woman know, they shouted. Your poor husband. What are you going to do in the Parliament? Scrub the floors? No one thought Edith stood a chance. She even doubted herself. So when she won, pushed through by hundreds of women voting for the first time, everyone was shocked. The other politicians didn't know what to make of a skirt in their midst. When she spoke, they often spoke over the top of her. But Edith was tough. What the bullies didn't realise was that no one could cause her greater pain than what she'd already been through. And when the men in Parliament got lost in bickering, she pulled out a needle and thread and sewed while she waited for their hissy fits to end. Are you done? she asked. Can we get on with fixing the country now? Just like she refused to never become a fragile ornament in her own house, Edith also refused to become a fragile ornament in the Parliament. If it wasn't for her fighting, women wouldn't be able to work as lawyers and they wouldn't be entitled to any money if their families parted ways. 
Women of today have Edith Cowan to thank for many of their equal rights. And some of us are even carrying Edith with us right now. If you ever have a $50 note, take it out, look down, and it might make you smile. It's Edith's face you'll see on the paper, as strong and determined as ever, looking out for you. I never knew much about Edith Cow, and I learned a lot myself by reading that. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fierce Girls. I'm Lee Sales, host of the ABC's 7.30 program. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, and that way you won't miss out on other great stories like this one. And keep being fierce. I'd like to serve on the front line, please. The man taking sign-ups for the British military laughed. (laughs) You might want to try serving food in a canteen. Making sandwiches for the real soldiers. Fat chance of that. Instead, Nancy Wake joined an undercover network of top-secret spies and risked her life again and again, helping more than a 1,000 people through treacherous blizzards and out of the war zone. When the enemy caught wind of her sneaky ways, they nicknamed her the White Mouse because she was so hard to catch. In the dead of one night, Nancy parachuted out of a plane with two guns in her pockets, a backpack full of nightgowns, a tube of lipstick and a red satin cushion. When her team lost their radios, she cycled up and down rugged mountains to find more. The enemy soldiers whistled at her as she pedalled through the checkpoints. If only they knew she was the wanted white mouse. With her mission accomplished, Nancy flew home with her nightgowns, tube of lipstick and red satin cushion, and she never rode a bicycle again. Roll the credits. Fierce Girls is produced by a bunch of super fierce women. Its executive producers are Justine Kelly and Monique Bowley. It's produced by Laura McAuliffe and Rebecca Armstrong. The stories are written by the uber-talented Samantha Turnbull. Judy Rapley is the amazing audio engineer who puts in the cool sound effects like this one. Kelly Reardon is the boss who lets us make fierce podcasts like this one. Fierce Girls is a production of the ABC Audio Studios.